Hey, this is Jerry from the Misfits, and you're listening to Iron City Rock. This is Doyle Wolfgang von Frankenstein of Doyle, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hey, everybody, this is Marky Ramon, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hi, this is Pat Thetic from Anti-Flag, and you're listening to the one, the only, Iron City Rocks. Welcome to episode 266 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, Sean, coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. On this week's episode, we are very proud to bring you an interview with Pat Thetic of the band Anti-Flag. Anti-Flag, as you may know, hails from Pittsburgh and is a member of the Iron City Rocks Hall of Fame. They have a new album coming out entitled American Spring, and Pat was gracious enough to talk to us about the new album. Before we get to that, though, here's a track from it entitled Fabled World. We live in a fabled world of dreaming boys and wide-eyed girls with precious few get a fair start. These times can't break you. These times can't leave you. Torn up. Ladies and gentlemen, on the line, I am very honored to have Pat from the band Anti-Flag. How are you doing today, Pat? I'm doing great. It's a beautiful day in Pittsburgh. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. Um, you know, being local, we always like to interview bands coming up from uh, Pittsburgh and whatnot. Um, you guys got a, a new album coming out. Uh, I guess it's the first album since... Uh, 2000, since 2012, this is called uh, American Spring. Um, can you talk a little bit about the uh, writing and the recording of this album? Yeah, we. Uh, this is the first record in a couple years that we actually uh, recorded outside of our own studio in Pittsburgh. The last two records, we uh, we recorded ourselves without any producers, without any um, any other input, and just wanted to make a very focused anti-flag record on those two records. This this record because we had had been able to done that do that for the last last two we felt as though we were in a position where we were ready to take a little bit more risks and um, yeah we uh, went out to L A and worked with a uh, producer called Kenny Karkeet who is in a band called A Wall Nation and his partner Jim Kaufman who is a 
punk rock kid that we knew from back in the early Warp Tour days. Right. So uh, we did a uh, yeah we went out to L.A. and recorded a record out there and um, and it has a, a slightly different feel than our last two, um, but it still it still rocks and still has the energy that is anti-fly. Um, what was it like uh, working with outside producers after producing everything yourselves, and what were they able to bring that you know that was different than what you could have done by yourself? What uh, we've worked with producers in the past, and we always have sort of a love-hate relationship with them right. because it's a challenge. Because we've been a band who's done a lot of things ourselves for a long time, and then to have other people um, be involved is always there's always a little bit of friction. But with Kenny, it was much less than some of the other producers we worked with because he uh, was a fan of the band from, uh, he was uh, a little bit younger than we are. So mm-hmm. he's a fan of our early music and, and actually is, uh, you know, he learned the whole catalog and, and all the records that we've done through the years. So he was very aware of what we were and what we were trying to do. And that, that definitely helps when working with a producer. Right, right. Um, the title, American Spring, I guess there's a lot of stuff you can draw from that, but can you talk a little bit about the title and how you came up with it? Yeah, the the title of the record, American Spring, is a reference to the Arab Spring, which was right. a wave of young people and freedom revolutions that went across um, the Middle East and, and to some degree are still going on. And the discussion was, how does revolution work when it, or how does, how do you succeed in revolution and how do you not go and come into things like Syria where it's just a a civil war and everybody is chopping everybody's heads off. So we were talking about those ideas and then we were talking about how, um, what, what does, you know, spring and then flowers. And then, uh, we were talking about that with our, the guy who, uh, uh, another Pittsburgh kid, Doug Dean, who did the artwork for the record and he um, came up with that concept of the flower and the, um, and putting it over um, archetypal um, images faces and what that says to different people. Mm -hmm. And that was very interesting to us. Um, My, uh, my favorite story about the uh, record cover is we were in our offices and uh, a friend of ours came in and uh, we had the, the the front and the back of the cover along with some other cover ideas on a table. And he came in and we we're like, what do you think about this? And he said uh, that you can't do that. And we we're like, why not? He's like, that's, that's not any good. And then um, we showed him the picture that was the American soldier. And then we showed him right. the picture of the, um, the Arab woman, he's like, Oh, you could do that. And we're like, that doesn't make any sense. Why is that appropriate? And how do you view enemy and how do you view, right. um, uh, yourself? And yeah, so it, it brought up a lot of ideas that we thought were very interesting and wanted to add to the dialogue of, of our culture. Um, now looking at the album, you know, there's, there's a lot of really dark themes on this album. I mean, is that, is that a sign of the time? Are we living in, in real dark times? Is to, and could this be like maybe, you know, is there hope for the future? <laughs> well, it's interesting because th- uh, this record, I think, is is darker than some of our other records. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it's definitely a situation of we're at the end of the Obama administration where we're trying, we thought, really thought change would really happen. After eight right. years of Bush, we thought things could really be different now that the realization that that isn't happening the uh and then number two going through 
a major divorce for him mm-hmm. and what that means for him and you know just uh just the rest of us and my father died during right before right before we went into the studio to record the record so there is there is some darkness on the record that is uh a little a little darker than a normal anti-flag record right 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 and you mentioned you know you know the end of the obama administration and whatnot and hope for change but you know it, it, it doesn't really even look like there is going to be much change coming forward if you have, you know, Clinton versus Bush again and whatnot. Yeah, <laughs> that will be horrifying if that happens. I, I'm not looking forward to that. I've never been a fan of Hillary and uh, Hillary against Bush. That's that's going to be really bad. Yeah, it's it's definitely going to be. Be, be an interesting time there but you know you guys you know you guys do do a lot of politics in your music and not and, and, and reaching out to, to you know the younger generations and whatnot do you think you know the younger generations can take charge and kind of make the change that you know every everyone knows is needed well every generation there's there's a group of revolutionaries that come along and right. uh and uh, and it's not whether I believe it's going to happen. It's definitely going to happen. Right. And uh, it uh, we saw a little bit with the um, uh, the police shootings, mm-hmm. and uh, we saw people coming out of the woodwork and becoming leaders in that situation. And uh, and that really had an impact. It's, it's amazing because I do interviews with people all over the world, and uh, and the press of um, police shooting young uh, men of color in the U.S. is played all over the world. And that's really connected with a lot of people outside of the U.S. And uh, people are like, are you afraid of the police walking down the street? I'm like, well, I've always been afraid of the police. (laughs) It's always been really no more now than than it ever has been. But but yeah, I do think that there's always uh, another group of young people who see the world um as it can be and not as it is and want to and want to make change and it's it's really history that dictates whether they gain power or not and um you know in the 60s uh everything came together and and there was a lot of change um that doesn't mean there weren't people fighting the whole time but then then you had uh you know different times in history people it it comes together and it happens now you guys have had a long 20 year career and there's, you know, a lot of stuff has happened in that career, you know, politically and whatnot. Did you guys think that you'd be around for 20 years? <laughs> Absolutely not. Right. We didn't, I didn't think I was going to be around uh, next week. Right. I still don't think I'm going to be around next week. That's the interesting thing is we have a running joke in the office that, uh, well, we'll find something else to do for next year because this isn't going to last. Right. And, um, but yeah, we've been very lucky. And, uh, I, I was talking to a kid yesterday about. He asked, "Well, how, what what do you why are, what did you do that made you successful uh, enough to make a living playing music? Because that's that's ridiculous." And I said, "Well, the one thing is we live in Pittsburgh, and it's relatively inexpensive mm-hmm. to live in Pittsburgh. And um, if you, yeah, Pittsburgh is just a cheap place to live." Right. Um, and the other thing is to just have people around you who you um, trust and can um, can really um, really count on. And um, because yeah, we all go we all go through ditches and and fall down and and have really horrible things happen to us. But if you have people around you that you trust and that are there, that you can you know we can all get through that stuff. So those are the things that have really helped us. 
to be able to continue to be in a band after as long as we have. Right, right, and you also know, just the, the the enjoyment of of doing it is is uh, very much a, a thing. Oh yeah, you have. We to. love playing. We love playing shows. I love. I'm, I'm really looking forward to the Moose show mm-hmm. and uh, just to be in a small room and play play songs for people who are excited about it is is a good is a good time. Now you play you know play a place like you know, Smiling Moose, which will hold you know 300 some people, and then you go and you do a festival where you're in front of you know 30,000 300,000 people. Do you uh, do you like that contrast, or do you like the smaller shows against the bigger shows? You know what uh, the, the contrast is what makes it interesting, right? Um, because <clears throat> I know a lot of bands that just play small shows, and they're always like, "Ah, oh, this sucks. We're playing another show," and you know, and, and then I know a lot of bands that play huge shows all the time, and they they have a similar thing. But for us, we're very lucky to be able to see the difference because when mm-hmm. you play a small show, um, especially me playing drums you're in the back and it, you're right. Even though you're in the back, you're still able to, to see people's faces and you see, you know, you're all part of that same thing. When you play a, a 300,000 people festival, I'm so far away from people that I might right. as well be in my living room at home and have, right. have very little connection with, with what, what's going on out in front. Um, but at the same time, playing a big festival, there's better catering, <laughs> there's yeah. better vegan food. So sometimes there's a shower. So uh, you, you know the... those types of things uh, are, make after you've been out for six weeks and uh, you know you have you hate your life and those right. things make your life a little bit better. Now um, you guys still live in Pittsburgh and whatnot. That's, that's great. And you you know starting in Pittsburgh, you were coming up around a time when grunge was getting really popular, and I imagine it was a little bit harder. To, for a punk band to break out, especially towards, you know, punk was somewhat dead at that point in time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but that's, that's the, well, go ahead. You, no, have, you no, go ahead. questions that I will tell you. Well, that's, that's the, the, the most amazing time to be a band right. when nobody cares about what you're doing. And the, the awesome thing about Pittsburgh and bands like Submachine and Osrotten mm-hmm. and the Bad Jeans, they were just such amazing bands. And nobody thought that we would be a band next year. So everybody just was helping everybody out because they were having a good time and, mm-hmm. and life. And yeah, there was no, no jealousy, no infighting. Um, there was rivalry, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't uh, uh, malicious. It was like, ah, you guys got this show. That's awesome. We're going to, you know, we're going right, to get the right. show next week and that type of stuff. So because grunge was king and nobody cared about punk rock, we all just were, nobody thought, that it was anything other than something to do on a weekend because we, we loved what we were doing. Right. And it just kind of took off from there. Now, have you seen, and then, and then we just continue to, you know, right. we booked our own shows and then you just continue to do that. And that's sort of what we're doing now. We have the same, many of the same people around us now that we had then. And we're just doing the same thing wow. every, every couple of weeks we go out and do more shows like we would have done, uh, 20 years ago. So you guys are still very much the do-it-yourself type mentality? Yes, and to, to a fault in some situations because we are, uh, we you know, we have our own record company. We right. know how to release a record. We know when a record company's screwing up. We know when things are not right. So we get our, uh, we put our nose into a lot of places and people don't like that. <laughs> right. <laughs> They want they want us to just shut up and be a band, and we're like, well, we're not just a band. We're we are uh, a, a record company guy told me something uh, uh, many years ago when he was fucking us, and he said, <laughs> uh, he said, no matter 
the record company will still be there next year. Right. It doesn't matter to them whether you fail or succeed. You have to make sure you fail or succeed. And I was like, yes, you are right. So that's the record company doesn't really care. Ultimately, they're still going to be there. They're still going to have jobs um, right. if your record fails. But if your record is the one that nobody pays attention to, then um, you're going to have a big problem. So make sure you pay attention to it. So right. now, um, that the fact that you're still in Pittsburgh and whatnot, do you get a chance to go out to the shows in Pittsburgh and see some of the up and coming bands? I don't as much as I would like because I'm on right. tour a lot these days. Right. Um, but I, but I do know, you know, there's great stuff going on at Mr. Smalls. There's great stuff going on at, um, at uh, the Roboto. And so I, I know there's amazing bands and we also, um, with the record company, we uh, have Derek, um, mm-hmm. who's homeless gospel choir. Uh, he's a local guy, and we have uh, World Scariest Police Chases, who are another band, and right. Ed Hockley. Um, so a lot of the local bands were putting records out, but I don't get out to see the shows as much as I would like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I imagine that's tough with, you know, like you said, the touring. Whatnot. And you guys just finished up a tour uh, back in February where you were playing, you know, the Terror State in its entirety. Yeah. Um, well, then, yeah, and then that went into March, really. And right. Then, uh, yeah, so we had uh, we have a little bit of April off, and then we go back out in May. So, yeah, when you when you're out at shows every night, uh, you sort of want to have some quiet when you get home. Right, 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 right. Well, um, you know, thanks. I want to thank you for taking time to talk to us. I got a chance to hear the album, the preview release, and it, it's a great album. I really, I really like. Oh, thank it. you very and much. Yeah, uh, you know, I've been listening to it a lot over the last couple of days, and you know, it, it does make you think. And the lyrics, you know, you really pay attention. It, it makes you think, and there's a lot you know, a lot to take in with it. And, uh, I hope the album's, you know, successful for you. I, I think it will be. And, uh, also want to wish you good luck on the tour. Awesome. Thank you very much. And did you grow up, were you a punk rock kid? Did you grow up in, uh, the community or where, where did you, uh, yeah, you where know, did you get connected with music? I, uh, I played more metal when I was growing up. Um, okay. you know, I was in a band called dark water, you know, probably the late nineties or whatnot, you know, we did some original stuff and we played around and, you know, did a couple of CDs or whatnot, but, you know, life started getting in the way and had to make a few decisions. So, you know, it was, for me, it was just yep. more having fun. I don't know if I really ever wanted to, to, you know, make a, a you know, make it my entire life. It was just a release yeah. and having fun. Well, that, yeah. And that, that, that's exactly it. I, uh, and you, I, I say that music for us many times is like throwing up. You got to get it out of your system. And right, it's right. A way of, of releasing all that anger that you've got in you from years of, of uh, things not working out and just life being what it is. And uh, yeah, music gets gets you a chance to get rid of that. Yeah, and there's you know it's interesting just seeing how everything's changed over the years because you know when I was we were coming up we were playing Club Laga and the graffiti and things like that. Yeah, it's it's shame a lot of those great places are gone now. The the thing that I've learned about um, the spaces and I agree because Laga was we were one of the first bands to ever play Laga. We rented it out Mm -hmm. from Ron before it um, even opened. just because that we always did our own shows and we hated promoters and we still hate promoters. Right. Um, but the, the, the thing that I've realized about that is that the venue has some, um, some essence to it, but really that can happen anywhere. You put a True. bunch of people in a room True. and True. Uh, people are like, you know, CBGB's was the greatest rock up. CBGB's was a piece of shit. <laughs> and, uh, and there was, 
there's a lot of places, but anytime you can get, if you get a, a warehouse and you put a PA in it and, and bring 150 people into it, it becomes an amazing, amazing show space. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I, I, graffiti is now a, uh, a Porsche dealership. I yeah. Think. Yeah. Um, and, uh, um, Laga is a grocery store, but, uh, there's still places to, that you can bring people in and, uh, oh, yeah. on a show and have an amazing experience. Definitely. Well, again, Pat, thanks. Thanks for talking to us. And, uh, thank we, you. We will see you out on the road. Very good. Thanks for chatting. I appreciate it. Okay. I'd like to thank Pat for taking the time to talk to us. The album is entitled American Spring and it hits the stores on May 26th. It's a great album and definitely worth picking up. Anti Flag also has a U.S. tour kicking off in Pittsburgh with a show on May 8th at the Slit on the North Side and a sold out show on May 9th at the Smiling Moose. Up next on the show, John talks to Paul Martin of the band Devil Skin. Devil Skin is one of the top-selling bands in New Zealand, and they're about to make their U.S. debut at the Whiskey in L.A. After that, they head back to New Zealand to play a show with Motley Crue and Alice Cooper. Before we get to that interview, though, here's a track from their debut album, We Rise. The track is called Little Pills. show from the band devil skin we have paul martin on the line how you doing paul i'm really well thank you very much for your time it's awesome to uh, to be on your show yeah I, I really appreciate you guys are going to be making your debut in the united states here in just a little over a week now uh playing the whiskey um how how is that uh kind of feeling that you know to be coming to the united states after you know getting the album out and you know building the buzz on the band how does it feel to finally get over to the states Oh, absolutely fantastic. I mean, we're about as far away from the States as you can be. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a dream come true for us all to be honest, you know, just to get the opportunity to travel with your music and, um, you know, have interest from the other side of the world. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, 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 it's surreal. You know, Paul, you, um, you guys are from New Zealand, uh, for those not familiar with the band. Um, and I know you, you've been with a couple other bands other than Devil Skin. Have you had an opportunity personally to play in the States? Um, no, but I have ventured over a couple of times, 2000 and 2001, I um, came over here uh, just to see Ozfest. Oh, okay. <laughs> and, but yeah, unfortunately I couldn't bring a guitar and make a, make a noise at it, but um, yeah, this is yeah, definitely the first time I've, I've um, been overseas to the States and, and got to play, and it's uh, yeah, pretty special. Yeah, no, let, me, let me let me ask you this because obviously, I mean, we we've um, obviously when people think of the part of the world, we think of um, you know ECDC and, and you know Kiss's influence and, and things like that. But what is the climate in New Zealand for for rock, hard rock, metal, that kind of stuff at this point in time? 
Um, well, we've got uh, about four and a half million people in New Zealand, which uh, is a pretty sparse population, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, they're just—I uh, don't know—the pop music seems to get all the, all the love, and the rock bands and, and and stuff always sort of struggling, and the rock and the metal bands always seem to be struggling. There's some brilliant bands there, definitely. Don't get me wrong, but um, it's just always been hard for the the heavier and harder edge music just to break through and, and get a public profile. Okay. Yeah, so but, um, yeah, we've just ticked that off the bucket list, and we've got that going on now. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's uh, you, you've essentially described the United States and probably most of Europe as well. So uh, yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it just it makes you work that much harder, John. You know, you 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 really want to knuckle down and make you know you got to put that much more effort in because you're not going to get a free ride anywhere. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about um, you know, how Devil Skin came together? Obviously, I mentioned you played with some other bands, and I know some other folks in your band have been in other bands as well. But how did you all come together as a collective foursome? Um, well, Jenny was playing in a band called Slipping Tongue, and they were based in a little town called Rotorua, which is about an hour out of Hamilton, where okay. we live. And um, I do a radio show back home, a hard rock heavy metal radio show called The Axe Attack. Okay. And um, it's on iHeartRadio now. And Jenny's band sent a demo in, and, you know, honestly, I open up this envelope and four bits of plastic fall out in a scribbled, ripped off corner of a piece of paper, and it just looked, looked a bit rough, you know. And I put it on eventually, and um, the drums sounded like they were recorded in the toilet, and then the guitar <laughs> was out of tune. You know, she was only 16 at the time. The guitar was out of tune, everything was terrible. I was just about to switch it off, and Jenny's voice came in. And I just got goosebumps, and I still get goosebumps talking about it. It's um, she just had this amazing voice, and so I kind of um, kept a good eye on their band and um, helped them with some recording and stuff. And they ended up doing an album. Um, Nail, the guitar player, was playing in, in other bands around the same town, so we were good friends. We'd go out and, and see bands together and stuff. And then when uh, when I found out Jenny wasn't in a band anymore, I sort of stalked her for a little bit and had a chance meeting. <laughs> yeah. And bummed into her and said, hey, you know, we need to do something. And, yeah, Nail's pretty obvious choice. And our original drummer was, was just a mate who had played um, in dine and dance bands his whole life sort of thing. Right. And uh, he was a bit older than us. And um, he was with us for probably a year and then had to have a – an operation on the shoulder, so I basically press ganged my son Nick into uh, helping us out to, for these gigs. He was 15 at the time, so we replaced the 50-year-old drummer with a 15-year-old drummer, and um, yeah, he just basically proceeded to kick our ass. And yeah, that worked for and Black Sabbath, you can. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, and um, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. I, I feel so privileged to be playing in a band with my son. Yeah, you know, and he's he's just an incredible drummer and a and a great asset to the band. So, it's 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 so we're we're pretty much a family now too because Jenny, our singer, is um, uh, her partner's my brother-in-law. So okay. that makes her Nick's auntie, and <laughs> so it's like the Partridge family. We're all, yeah. we're all you know, yeah, or it's right. a family affair. It's great fun, and it's a real tight unit. You know, we all love and trust each other so much, and um, you know, we all want the same thing out of music, and we know we can count on each other. Yeah. It's just that extra closer bond. You know, it's brilliant. Yeah, that, that formula seems to be working for Van Halen these days. So hey, go with. Oh, it. too right. Yeah, holy, yeah, too right. So um, let me let me ask you. You guys obviously have a, have a record out, a, a fantastic sounding album. Um, how? Big of, of like when a band starts out outside of the, this country, I was interested to find out. You know, when you look at the globe from a marketing perspective, you know, with your band, 
do you look at England first, Japan, the United States? What is what is kind of on on the the to do list for for a band coming you know into these markets? Is there one that you find you kind of key on first? Um, basically, it's hard to know being from New Zealand, you know, mm-hmm. unless you're in touch with people in, in those different places. We want to conquer them all, you know. We've sure. had so many so many people say to us, "Hey, Japan's going to love you," and especially Germany. Yeah. We had so many people say, "Look, you've got to get to Germany." Um, obviously, for us, with our musical instruments and everything, um, United States and United Kingdom were, were two of the main goals for us, just because mm-hmm. all our favourite bands are from there. You know? Yeah. Um, but just you know, you realise that it's um, it's a lot of hard work. You've got to get there, and there's a lot of competition. So you've really got to have your you know your game face on sure. and be there prepared to work. You know. Yeah, and I imagine in in your role, you know, serving as a disc jockey, um, you realise you have a great insight into just the sheer volume of competition. You know, oh, totally. Uh, you yes. know, every yeah. day you're you're being sent emails or you're being sent CDs with you know download links and more music than you can conceivably have time to listen to. Yeah, so, totally. You know, <laughs> yeah, and, oh, and, and it yeah. it is hard. I, I was always just kind of curious, you know, you know, because you hear, you see a band like uh, we had Impelitary on the show not all that long ago, which you know, band, band from, exactly wow. phenomenal band from the United States to which no one in the United States listens to, but you know is. I was talking to Rob Rock, you know, big following in Japan. And, you know, you think about bands, you know, that, you know, from Europe who are big in the United States, but, you know, can't get a gig in Europe. You know, it's, it's always just kind of interesting how these things kind of play out. Oh, totally. And, you know, you can never, you can never figure it out until you get there and, and see, you know, mm-hmm. what's going on. But you're right. There's just so so much music out there, and, and so many great bands working so hard. I mean, I was listening to Impelitary. Um, man, I've still got the vinyl at home that I was listening yeah. to back in the late '80s. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Stand in yeah, Line. Absolutely it's... brilliant stuff. And Stand in Line, that's the one. Holy yeah. cow! When I heard that guy play guitar, I wanted really inspired me to do something useful with my guitar. Sure. You know what I wanted to do. I wanted to put legs on it and turn it into a coffee table. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, Chris Chris made a lot of people realize that they were bound to do something else. You know, yeah. certainly, certainly true. Um, you guys are have really, aside from this show at the Whiskey, obviously, which has got to be very exciting. But you've got a really, really exciting opportunity coming up with Motley Crue and Alice Cooper. Do you want to talk about how that came to be? Um, I'm not even sure. I mean, we, we submitted our stuff and uh, someone on our behalf gave a, uh, a copy of our album, as far as I know, to Tommy Lee and he loved it. And so I think that helped. We also, um, we just did two shows with Slash in New Zealand before mm. we came away. And um, I think it all helps when they, you know, they say positive things to the promoters and, and mm. word gets out. And I mean, the fact is, uh, back home, there's not many rock bands that have a gold album, let alone a platinum album. So I, I guess we're the we're the obvious choice. Yeah. Um, in a lot of respects, but I mean, wow, it's still just absolutely mind blowing and humbling to to be even considered for gigs like that. You know. Yeah, I mean, you think about Slash and the influence he's had, and then you, you know you realize you're you're coming on right before Alice Cooper. You kind of got to pull out all the stops <laughs> at that point. Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't oh, even. Yeah. It, it still floors me to think that somebody is it, that I'm, 
Alice's opening for someone else. I still haven't got yeah. my head around that with that whole tour. So yeah, uh, totally. And but, you know, I've seen Alice play twice, and holy crap! You know, you you hard pushed to find a better show, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hur- hurry up and get your gear off the stage and get a good seat for that one. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Now yeah. let's talk about you. Ha- have a radio show. Um, what what is the um you know the format of the Axe Attack for those of us who haven't had a chance to check that out? Um, it's basically hard rock and heavy metal, and um, yeah, a, a little bit of everything really. It's, it's a weekly show that was on radio in New Zealand. I started in, uh, in 1987. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, yeah, just recently in the last um, couple of months, I've um, started up with iHeart Radio. Okay. So it's, it's all web, it's all web based now. But um, yeah, it's, I, I, I've always played a lot of Kiwi music, a lot of New Zealand music, mm-hmm. you know, thirty percent, because I, I totally believe that we've got some you know superb talent in our country that isn't going to get any radio play or anything. You know, the radio stations are. Pretty, you know, uh, hard work to get uh, a good rock or heavyish song on. So, my show was the vehicle for that, and um, that's one thing I've always tried to champion the local music uh, musicians and and hard rock artists, metal artists, and mm-hmm. and give them a fair shake, you know. But I play everything on my show, right from Led Zeppelin through to all the new school stuff, lots of Lamb of God and Slipknot, and you know, uh, just everything. Awesome. Big, big cross section. Awesome. Big cross section. So you can get that on the iHeartRadio app. Excellent. Yes, now, you, um, now you play bass. Am I correct? You play guitar in, in some of your other bands? Yes, yeah. I've, I've played guitar pretty much um, in all my other bands. And um, when we put this together, we didn't have a bass player. So it was kind of, okay, now you play bass. And he's now like, you play bass. So says, yeah. I'll just fill in for a rehearsal and we'll see what happens. And uh, yeah, I enjoy it. I really do. It's, it's good fun. And Nail's an exceptional guitarist. He's brilliant. So I'm quite happy to sit back and, and you know, just play the rumble hammer. Yeah. Does, do you find that it, being a guitarist and making the transition to bass uh, kind of, alters how you play it as opposed to a you know traditionally trained bassist definitely i mean i don't i don't put myself in the same basket as your traditionally trained bassist at all i'm i'm you know the stuff i was listening to when i first got into got passionate about music was was a lot of um early black sabbath and and a lot of punk stuff like um the ramones were were a huge influence to me so Mm. i've always really loved that four on the floor just sitting down the big bed for the guitars to crash out over top you know but um yeah i mean uh, i've had i had we played a couple of shows in London the other day, and uh, there's a couple of amazing bass players that I know in the audience, and I was kind of like, oh, man, <laughs> pretty sheepish in front of these guys. You know? Yeah. But, yeah. Um, you know, I, I believe it's all about the song and, um, you know, just just providing a, a great foundation, and, and I think I've got a pretty good rapport with, with my son Nick on the drums, and we mm. can lock in and, and just get some fierce rhythms going on. It just feels good, you know. Yeah, you can look back and give him those kind of dad looks that you know. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, but I mean, I'm no, I'm no Billy Sheen or anything like that. You know, I don't get too fluffy. I, yeah. I just like to, you know, do what the song needs. Now, um, yeah. do you guys have other plans for the states aside from the show at the whiskey, or is that still um, in the drawing board? We're doing the showcase uh, at a place called the Rock Summit. Okay. And it's um, yeah, basically a whole bunch of industry people. So um, I think there's like ten bands all, all showcasing on the day. Okay. But we've got a pretty pretty good slot, and I, I think it's a they've got a, a pretty good guest list coming along. So that's basically um, probably the most important show for us in mm-hmm. the states. But 
unfortunately, we don't get to be there too long. We've got a, a few conferences to attend and stuff like that. But sure. um, only the two shows to play and then straight back to New Zealand and hopefully uh, enough time to get over the jet lag before we uh, have to go and open up for Alice and uh, Motley Crue. Yeah, yeah, that's got to be, you know, go for a jet rag, lag into something that's surreal. That's got to be uh, mind, yeah. mind-blowing. So I mean, folk, folks can check out your website. Is it, am I correct? Devilskin.co.nz? Is that correct? Yes, that's one. Okay. Direct, right. Yeah, and right. we're all over Facebook as well. Right. Yeah. Double skin NZ for those who are looking forward. And we look forward to hope the, the gigs go well and go well enough. We'll be seeing a lot more in the United States. Oh, I mean, that's, that's our definite plan. We, we really want to get back to the States before the end of the year awesome. and, um, you know, do the business. Awesome. We knew that this time was just going to be a brief foray and it was all about getting in front of the right people. But, sure. uh, sure. we love the place and we, we realized, you know, it's a dream come true for us to tour and, see the beautiful country, and meet the beautiful people. Awesome. Well, if you find your way to the east coast of the United States, be sure to look us up, and we'll come check you out. Oh, love to. Awesome. Love to, John. Awesome. Hey, thank you so much, Paul. I appreciate it. Oh, and no, I appreciate your time. Thank you. Okay, that about wraps up this episode of Iron City Rocks. I'd like to thank Pat from Anti-Flag and Paul from Devil Skid for taking the time to talk to us. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to drop us a line at ironcityrocks at gmail.com. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash ironcityrocks. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash ironcityrocks. And also check out our Instagram at instagram.com forward slash ironcityrocks. Until next time, thanks for listening.